It's Emily here, and today I want to invite you to make sure to check out Robinhood Integrative Health. If you are a resident of the Winston-Salem, North Carolina area, and you're looking for a doctor who treats you differently, looks deeper into the issues that you're having, and seeks to hear you as a person and really help to get you better, then I can't recommend Robinhood Integrative Health, where Dr. Wiggy practices enough. Make sure that you go to their website and see how you can benefit from their services today. And did you know that they even take some insurances, which basically never happens in integrative medicine. So make sure to check them out and enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody, it's Emily and Dr. Wiggy here with a new episode of Healthy Discourse. And today we are going to be discussing a popular topic, um, something that I think most of us wish that we knew more about and something that's very important for women's health, and that is female hormones. And I know that all of the ladies listening are already kind of like, yes, oh my gosh, they're so terrible. And (laughs) as women throughout our lives, um, different stages and seasons of life, our hormones shift significantly as we go through adolescence and puberty and young adulthood and then our childbearing years and then shifting into um, uh, perimenopause and menopause. And there's just a lot going on. And it's kind of like with kids, I think it's like you think you've got it figured out and then you (laughs) enter a new stage. And so I'm grateful that Wiggy is here with us today to talk about the basics of our hormones, we're just going to touch on some things. We're going to, in the future, dig into some specific issues. We might touch on a couple of those today, but we're just going to do a general overview um, of what they are, why they matter, how they can get messed up, and maybe um, some things that we can do to help optimize and fix them. So without further ado, tell us about female hormones. What are the primary hormones that women have? Um, And I know that we probably overly simplify what they are, their balance and the power. So let's just kind of talk about the basics. We'll start there. Sure. And I think it's important for us to talk about this because I think in some ways uh, it's almost become a bit uh, uncomfortable for doctors to kind of get into this uh, discussion with patients uh, maybe I think it's maybe because uh, they aren't necessarily trained on it mm-hmm. or that they don't necessarily know what to do. So a lot of times it becomes just, well, if they're off, then here, take take birth control. That's right. really what, it's, what it's turned into uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, but it is important for us to look at this, again, from a holistic standpoint because hormones definitely can be off, and it can be off at really any age of life. So, I mean, typically if you're not producing hormones like kids – we don't really have any issues, but really once you start producing hormones, like with puberty, that's when things can be thrown off. Mm-hmm. So uh, back to your original question. So there are, there's really three main hormones that I would say are important for us to, to talk about and to consider when we talk about FEMA hormones. So the two most common ones that most people are, are well aware of are estrogen and progesterone or estradiol and progesterone. Those are the two main female hormones. But another one that I think is is important in in a lot of different ways, and also again throughout kind of the hormonal life cycle, is testosterone. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't think about testosterone for women. That is, 
not important. It's only for it's only for men, and that you know you really shouldn't even be thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But it's something that definitely can be off. So it can be either too much or too little. So again, it's, there's there's definitely other issues that we see with testosterone that needs to be considered as well. So yeah, those are the three main ones: estradiol, which is estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Okay. Will you briefly tell us a little bit about what each of those are responsible for? Sure. So estrogen is, I guess, kind of considered the main like female hormone as far as what makes you kind of a woman, more or less. So estrogen, uh, again, through development, is mostly for kind of, kind of female development. So uh, breasts and hips uh, also is really important for uh, like strong bones and uh, also for mental well-being. So estrogen is really important for uh, certain neurotransmitter production like serotonin. Uh, so estrogen, again... It's the primary female hormone has so many different responsibilities. I mean, mm-hmm. those are kind of some, some definitely simplistic ones. Uh, I guess also along those lines, when you think about kind of the menstrual cycle, estrogen is primarily used for kind of building up the endometrial lining. So it's mm-hmm. kind of for, it's more for growth mm-hmm. uh, for estrogen. And then progesterone, on the other hand, is really more for uh, like endometrial lining stabilization. So th- there's certain things that each do as part of the menstrual cycle. Uh, progesterone, I kind of think of progesterone, yes, of course, very important female hormone, but this is really more of a, a calming hormone. So this is really important for things like uh, sleep, uh, for calming down anxiety, uh, for controlling irritability, mood swings. So progesterone is really kind of a stabilizer, kind of stabilizes the lining, mm-hmm. also kind of stabilizes mood and other things too. And then testosterone. So testosterone is, um, again, very important for women. Testosterone helps with, uh, with energy, uh, with sex drive, with motivation, uh, with uh, workouts and, and being able to put on muscle. All those things that, that testosterone does for men also does uh, for women. Uh, not as important uh, during the menstrual cycle. That, that, uh, that doesn't play a big role in it uh, comp- as opposed to estrogen and progesterone. But it has a lot of other physiologic benefits. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about too much or too little of each of these. I mean, obviously they also play, they, they work inner, they work, um, together, Mm -hmm. um, in lots of ways, but let's talk about what are some things that can happen if a woman has, um, of menstruating age has too much estrogen, estrogen dominance. Sure. And and that's where it's, it's somewhat tough to talk about hormones in general and, and also talking about it from all different age groups. I'm mm-hmm. glad you kind of narrowed it down there mm-hmm. a little bit. So uh, so estrogen dominance, I'd say, is one of the more common hormone imbalances that we see uh, in the practice uh, because we have a lot of people that come in and have too much estrogen uh, and not even and not, not even that, but uh, too much estrogen in comparison to progesterone. So that's how we define estrogen dominance is that estrogen levels are either high or normal and progesterone levels are either kind of low normal or are really kind of are, are really pretty low. And what happens with estrogen dominance is that you have almost all the effect of estrogen uh, kind of highlighted, and then you're you're missing the balancing effect of progesterone. Mm-hmm. So estrogen dominance, we tend to see really heavy cycles, mm-hmm. like real heavy uh, cycles, cramping, a lot of bleeding, irregular cycles. Because again, estrogen is for building up the lining. Right. So if you have a lot of estrogen, not enough progesterone to stabilize it, you'll have really weird, really weird cycles, and really uncomfortable ones. Uh, you can have breast tenderness. Uh, but the other thing that we see with uh, estrogen, this is related to the brain, 
is related to, uh, again, irritability. Mm-hmm. Irritability, anxiety, mood swings, and all that happens because estrogen is, again, more of a stimulating hormone. Right. So it's more for, it can cause anxiety when the levels are too high. So yeah, we see estrogen dominance causing uh, kind of mood changes, uh, especially more irritability, anxiety, and then really uh, affects the, the cycle, uh, especially makes them real heavy and, and uh, uncomfortable. Right. And just to interject here, um, I think that we, as a culture, have normalized um, mm. ba- PMS, terrible PMS symptoms, mm. and or, you know, oh, well, my cycle's horrible. It's just the card I've been dealt. And just because something is common doesn't make Mm. it normal. And so I know that, you know, I want to encourage you that there usually are things that can be done. And, you know, if you're having terrible mood swings, PMS, cramping, all these things, you know, you don't have to just sit with that forever Mm. and just say, well, throw up your hands and say, you know, well, this is who I am, I guess. And this is unfortunate and it runs in my family, which that does seem to be a thing. But you know, just a bit of encouragement. There are Mm -hmm. things that can be done. And so, um, well, let's talk about then, you know, again, they often work together, but let's talk about low progesterone and what are some of the symptoms or negative things that can happen with that? Well, this is pretty much the same thing as, as the last question, which maybe we can, I can just clarify it a little bit. Uh, but almost always when progesterone levels are low, I'd say vast majority of the time is their estrogen levels are actually fine. Right. Uh, we do have a few people, and this is getting a little more complicated, that have um, basically ovarian failure mm-hmm. where their estrogen is low and their progesterone is low, uh, like in cases of like uh, hypothalamic amenorrhea, mm-hmm. like for people that, that run a lot or mm-hmm. are really, really intense uh, exercise. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we see low levels across the board, but usually progesterone kind of is like, uh, the canary in the coal mine. So it's usually the one that is affected first when, when things are off. And things can be off for lots of reasons. A lot of times there is a genetic component. So you kind of mentioned that there is kind of runs in the family. Oh, my sisters have it. My mom has it. So a lot of times there is a genetic component to it, especially with things like polycystic ovarian syndrome, mm-hmm. like PCOS. So we do see that. But a lot of times it's also just life. Uh, stress, uh, primarily affects progesterone more so than it does estrogen. Mm-hmm. Uh, lack of sleep, uh, infections, um, just all the daily demands that women have on them. Like so the, typically, progesterone is the one that is affected first. So it's pretty common for us to, when we check hormone levels, and there's a specific time to check hormone levels, but when we check them, <clears throat> usually we will find progesterone levels being kind of the first thing that we find that's being thrown off. Right. And a lot of times we'll see symptoms from that. And so, and a lot of times when we find the uh, imbalance, if things aren't corrected, the imbalance will just get worse. But the symptoms are the same. So the symptoms are not, are, are, are from the low progesterone, but they're usually from the estrogen still being fine or right. being normal. And like I said, it's just the imbalance. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. It's the heavy cycles. It's the headaches, mm-hmm. um, anxiety, irritability, trouble sleeping. All those are, saying, are, are seen when progesterone goes down. And it's, it's uh, another way to think about it is that, you know, that's kind of the first thing that happens as your body starts to go through menopause, mm-hmm. is that when you start heading through perimenopause, that's when the first thing to go down is progesterone. Mm-hmm. But estrogen levels oftentimes stay fine or they kind of fluctuate up and down. And so it is appear it appears to be kind of the most vulnerable uh, for just 
changes right. and for circumstances and that progesterone levels typically are suppressed when things are when your body is feeling that that stress. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about I mean there aren't that many people if I'm unless I'm mistaken that have too much natural testosterone um, but maybe that does happen but what about women that you talked a little bit about this when we talked a minute ago but what are some of the symptoms of low testosterone in women which again this is something that even for myself it was just in the last few years so i'm mm. like well huh who knew that was a thing right sure well and actually you know you you uh this may be something that that'd be education for you too is that actually testosterone levels can be too high uh in a lot of women okay uh so especially again those that are that are not yet menopausal uh, they can have high testosterone levels. So women with uh, PCOS and uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, a lot of times that's one of the ways that we can help identify if they have PCOS mm -hmm. is if one of their androgens are high. How about that? So, See, I learned things from our podcast too, Wiggy. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think people expect you to know everything. So, oh, I definitely, um, I have zero medical degrees. Right. So, but yeah, no, that androgens are overproduced mm -hmm. in certain people and in certain women, especially with PCOS. So either they have uh, high testosterone levels or they have high DHEA. Mm -hmm. So okay. there's a couple other hormones I didn't mention, you know, DHA, pregnenolone, those some other ones too. But uh, but that's getting a little overly complicated, I think, for the for the point of this discussion. But yeah, but when testosterone levels are high, then, then women can have um, more... Uh, physiologic changes and kind of um, cosmetic things too, uh, where a lot of times they have uh, oily skin, mm. acne, uh, facial hair growth. Uh, they'll just, uh, again, they kind of stay in that puberty kind of time frame. Uh, they tend to just have more cosmetic changes. Gotcha. And so, so yeah, so th that actually is a problem. High testosterone or high androgens can be a problem for a lot of women. And a lot of times we see that with uh, low progesterone. Okay. So we see low progesterone. Oftentimes we see higher estrogen and higher testosterone, especially if PCOS is part of the, part of the mix. Gotcha. Uh, but now um, with low testosterone, so low testosterone, this is usually more um, related to age. So as we get older, testosterone levels typically drop, and so they typically go down as we're heading into menopause. Mm -hmm. uh, but they also go down, kind of like for men, they also go down if our body is overly stressed. And that, again, is from any number of things. That can cause you, the body to be stressed. You know, again, lack of sleep, just having kids. That's actually one of the funny predict <laughs> predictors is how many kids you have typically have lower testosterone levels. Imagine um, that. Yeah. Well, that probably goes for men too. That's, no, that, it is for men. Yeah, so definitely for men. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, and then so what happens is when your testosterone levels start to drop, then again, that's where we see the symptoms of low energy, low sex drive, low motivation, and then... Uh, a good, another good indicator, especially if you're active and you're uh, and you work out some, is that you just won't recover like you like you were able to before. Like you'll work out and then you're sore for like a week, mm -hmm. and then you work out again and then you're sore for another week. Like your muscles just don't recover at all, so you don't ever make any progress, and all it is is just really uncomfortable and just mm. painful to go to the gym. And so that's also kind of leads where people are like, well, this is so hard. I'm going to stop going to the gym. Right. And so testosterone, again, is very important. And I think it's, it's often misunderstood that it's, you know, abused and that, you know, and you can't, you can get too much. But I think in the cases where women's levels are low, boosting those levels up can make a world of difference. Well, and I think that's another thing that we just kind of are, have normalized that, you know, well, when you get when you hit forty, it, you 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 lose your muscle and you just become like 
flabby, essentially. And that's just kind of like normalized, but I don't think that it mm-hmm. has to be that way with appropriate testosterone supplementation for the right people too. Right. So let's talk about, um, you mentioned this and I, I, it was something I want to talk about too. You, you generally like to des- test on day 21 of a female cycle. I, from what I gather from friends, when they go to their OBGYN or whatever to mm-hmm. be tested, it doesn't seem like that's necessarily the focus. So that's maybe just a good way for you to take into your own hands to get the best read on hormones is to make sure you're in, as close as possible to day 21. Why is that? Yeah, so that's a good question. Because you're right, a lot of times people don't think that there's a specific time to check hormone levels. And in reality, I mean, I probably can interpret hormone levels at any point of a cycle, but I have to just know where they are in their cycle. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's things get things get confusing. Because if you have no idea when so, where someone is in their cycle and you just check a level, you'll have no way to interpret it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason why we like to check it on, in, on day 21 is that typically on day 21 is where levels are, are, are pretty high around day 21. The estrogen progesterone levels are pretty high around that time. So any sort of uh, imbalance or discrepancy that we'll see with those levels is that it'll be highlighted around that, that kind of that day 21 uh, time frame. And so it just helps us to get a better picture if we are dealing with things like estrogen dominance because estrogen levels will be really high. Progestion levels should also be, should be higher at that time. But again, a lot of times that's what we'll see is that progestion levels will remain low mm-hmm. when they should be going up. So it, it highlights discrepancies. It highlights problems mm-hmm. around that time frame. Again, you can check it at other times, but usually at other times, especially earlier in the cycle uh, or like during a, during a menstrual cycle, it's, the levels will be really low. Mm-hmm. And so when the levels are really low, it's harder to see the imbalance. Right. If they're all low, they're like, okay, well, they're, they're, they're imbalanced, but they're all low. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't really help us a whole lot. Right. Let's talk about, um, you know, interestingly enough, and so just a little bit of my background, I went to the... Um, the doctor when I was like 18 and I was not having appropriate cycles and you know I was put on birth control just like everyone seems to do Mm -hmm. and then 10 years later when we were like okay it's we're ready to have kids I got off of it and I still had the same problems probably exasperated because you know I think it's important for people to understand that when we're given birth control of you know hormonal birth control to help fix our problems with our cycles, whatever those might be, what we're, what's really happening is all of our hormones are being suppressed. Mm. So our natural hormonal wave, as unpleasant as it might be, is being manipulated and all, everything is being pushed to be low, mm. which, I mean, you can feel what you want as an individual about that, but it's kind of going against the natural progression of what the ways that our body is supposed to work. And I'm certainly not the only one that has, um, I've been very open about the story and it's quite common Mm -hmm. that being on hormonal birth control for long periods of time seems to, I'm not the only one that I know that has, that seems to cause lots of problems. But I say this to say, you know, I know every female is quite complicated and we're all different, but there are some pretty simple things that can be done to help figure out some of these problems. So, I mean, the the imbalance we know is the most common. Mm. And generally, we treat that with increasing the progesterone levels with a bioidentical form of progesterone. 
Um, will you talk about that just a tiny bit? Well, I think it also depends on the severity of the symptoms mm -hmm. and the severity of the imbalance. So we do have quite a few women that come in that are that have complaints, but they're not necessarily real severe or really kind of or really affect their quality of life, and it's just more annoying. And their levels are maybe slightly off. Right. You know, maybe testosterone or estrogen levels are still pretty high, but progesterone levels are just starting to drop. In in some cases, for that is if we're identify if we can identify some lifestyle changes to do, um, simple things like eating better, moving more, uh, actually cleaning up the diet, sleeping more stress management techniques, uh, some supplements, mm -hmm. you know, things that maybe support uh, overall hormonal balance, things like pregnenolone actually is pretty good for that. Right. <clears throat> things that support the adrenals, like ashwagandha, uh, rhodiola, holy basil. Those all, sometimes we can just do that, mm -hmm. and that can kind of get things back in balance just by doing some supportive measures. Uh, other times when the estrogen levels are really high, but progesterone levels actually aren't that bad, mm -hmm. sometimes doing th certain things to actually pull down the estrogen right. is helpful. And there are certain things we can do to help your body break down estrogen a little bit faster. Things like iodine and DIM, uh, kudzu, those all kind of help your body break down estrogen a little bit more efficiently. So sometimes we can do it naturally. Mm -hmm. uh, I do consider bioidentical hormone replacement therapy pretty natural mm -hmm. because we are basically giving back your body exactly what it already makes. Right. We're just kind of getting the body, getting it back into balance. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do also try to get the body to do it on its own. Right. So if it can do it, do it on its own, then we try to do it on its own. It's just sometimes it's out of our control. Right. Like, you know, yes, maybe if we could all, you know, not have any stress mm -hmm. and we could all eat well all the time and have time to go walk, you know, for five miles a day, mm -hmm. then everyone's hormones probably fine. <laughs> but unfortunately, a lot of times it's not realistic. And if it's not realistic, I think it's better to get the hormones in balance versus just continuing with symptoms and saying, well, well, good luck. Or like I said, or the alternative saying, here, take a birth control pill. It's all that we have. So in those circumstances, when the hormones are off and there's really no lifestyle changes that are realistic for us to do, then we will add in things like bioidentical progesterone. Mm -hmm. So bioidentical basically means it's the same as your body makes. Right. So I, 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 consider, I think that's better than any sort of synthetic hormones. Uh, and that's what you get with birth control pills. Right. You get synthetic progestins. And I think those are, are actually harmful for you in the long run because they don't actually... Um, enhance your natural hormones they shut them down mm -hmm. so you actually do have lower levels of hormones when you check them with right. someone with birth control because they're getting synthetic estrogen synthetic progesterone mm -hmm. and so yeah it shuts things down i try to balance things with by just supporting the your natural hormones and just keeping them getting and watching the levels and making sure they are where they should be and even something um like i mean i know that from a um traditional standpoint even progesterone alone supplementation a lot of times that is synthetic too from what i remember it when, can be yeah yeah so so there are still i mean quite a few doctors that that's what they know mm -hmm. so they'll use a, uh, a a synthetic progesterone uh to balance things out or to kind of trigger a cycle mm -hmm. kind of do right. it. they'll cycle with different um different progestins like medroxyprogesterone acetate or something like that and yeah, it works. I mean, it has very similar properties to progesterone, but you know, again, why, why use something synthetic when something is natural 
and the exact same thing that's in your body mm -hmm. works just as well. Right. So, uh, so I don't understand why synthetic hormones are still being used at this point. And the, the literature definitely tells us that they're not as safe mm -hmm. to use versus the, the bioidentical hormones. So like I said, I, I think if you're going to do hormone replacement, if you're going to fix things, uh, then natural bioidentical is the way to go. Uh, with birth control, the, there's not really any option, though. Birth control has to be synthetic. Right. There's no natural way to do birth control. Uh, I mean, not by oral contraceptive right. use, but um, but yeah, but if, if you're going to do, uh, as far as just balancing hormones, the, the bioidentical form is the best. Right. Um, let's see, what else? And, and I think we'll talk about perimenopause and menopause more in another um, episode because mm -hmm. we kind of have dug into the cycling years today. Sure. Um, let's see, what else does... Anybody want to know? Well, I would just say, you know, this would be more encouragement. Again, part, a big part of what we talk about here with healthy discourse is becoming your own advocate. Mm -hmm. And and you have to you have to be equipped with the knowledge. You know, unfortunately, the doctors that you see may not necessarily know when to check hormones, mm -hmm. and they may not know how to interpret those those results. And this is oftentimes also what we see with traditional uh, medicine is that if the levels are within the range, then you're considered normal. And the range is so broad. Right. That, and, it, and, it, and it varies from where you are in your cycle. You know, so for progesterone, a normal range is from like 1.2, I think, up to like 24 or something, something mm -hmm. along, those, along those lines. And it's different from lab to lab. So your progesterone could be 2, but it's normal. Shouldn't be two. Should be up around ten to twenty. That's where in in that day twenty one of your cycle. Right. And so uh, so that's just an important part is to know that don't just take on face value that even if you go and get your hormone levels checked, you need to know when they were checked. You need to know what, as part of where your cycle is. You need to know where which lab they're using. You need to know what the reference ranges are and what the optimal levels should be based on those. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's really hard for, uh, again, for a lot of doctors to know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. So that would be the thing that you have to find somebody that, that does hormone therapy. Right. And that they have been well trained on that. You know, I've been to, I don't know, 10 conferences on hormone therapy at this point. I've read, I don't know, 100 <laughs> books on it at this point. And so it's 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 complicated, but it's not that complicated, you know. Mm -hmm. And the more you do it, the more you understand it. But you do have to be willing to look for it, and you have to know what to do with it. Y'all should see our bookshelves. It, we have the most bizarre collection of books. We do. <laughs> and the titles are the best, especially the ones on Lyme disease. Sorry, that's a complete side note. Yeah. They have some quite interesting titles about bugs. and Anyway. Um, well, thank you so much for helping to, you know, help clear some of this up. And I think, you know, like what you're saying, like we do have to be our own advocates and if you're you know have been miserable for years or you're having a cycle every two weeks or whatever I mean even with myself like my body works pretty normally at this point which is a blessing because it did not for a long time um work I mean I'm constantly needing to mm. tweak things myself um yeah and, and there's no like rhyme or reason to it often it's just kind of like huh well this is happening and because I know and understand and of course I have Wiggy here to help be my advocate um, it makes it a lot simpler and easier to understand um, as you kind of learn your body and and understand some of these things from a more natural standpoint but there are some great supplements out there that help um, and then bioidentical hormones 
can really be life-changing. I know that they have been for me at various times um, of the last 10 years that way he's been practicing integrative medicine. Um, and, you know, I just, I don't want all of my friends to suffer in, you know, pain and, you know, these crazy heavy cycles and that kind of thing. And so there are options. So if you feel like, you know, taking birth control is the only thing that you can do and the side effects from that, then you know, that's not true. There are, there are other options out there. And sometimes it's just in finding a provider to be an advocate for you. So thank you so much for joining us. If you have questions, if, if there's specifics of female hormones that you would like us to dig into more, and we hope that you will leave us a message, let us know if there's a particular um, topic that you would love to hear us discuss or um, that Wiggy can provide some great uh, generalized medical, um, not advice because we don't do that here, but uh, commentary on then we, we would love to do that for you too. So thanks again for joining us and we'll look forward to catching up with you guys next time.